0: Welcome to another episode of Journeys in Entrepreneurship. Today, we have Fola the co-founder and CEO of Iwasan Investments Limited, a health investment holding company. She's also the founder and CEO of Health Markets Africa, a healthcare advisory and investment company. Fola was a director at Investment Fund for Health in Africa. A Palnia private equity fund focused on healthcare in Africa. She's a founding board member of Igeria Group Nigeria, promoters of Lagoon Hospitals and Nigeria HMO. She's also a trustee of the board of the Society for Quality in Healthcare in Nigeria. Interviewing her is Victor MIA, the CEO and co founder of Cheka a digital health platform for at-home medical lab tests in Africa. Victor is also the founder and CEO of Medipa Healthcare. Victor has been working in the healthcare sector over the last five years and has helped over 400,000 people seamlessly assess healthcare in Nigeria through his health technology platforms. Join us as we listen to their journeys in entrepreneurship in the healthcare sector.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Victor Emaye, the CEO and co-founder of Checker, a digital health platform for at-home medical lab tests in Africa. Welcome to another exciting episode of Journeys in Entrepreneurship by Feed Foundation. Today, we have an amazing individual in our midst, somebody I highly respect, uh, in person of Mrs. Pola Laoye, the CEO and co-founder of Son Investments Limited. Today, we are in for your full time welcome ma
2: thank you very much Victor. good
1: to have you thank you i've read a lot about you i've read so much about you and it's great to see how much you're doing in the healthcare sector
2: thanks and i've heard quite a bit about you too thank you very much following very closely (laughs) thank you
1: very much Ma. it's an honor yes so um down to my questions i have a lot of questions prepared for you today and um do you want to tell us a bit about your background and what inspired you to pursue a career in healthcare and investment. Okay.
2: I think I'll start by sort of maybe first of all, introducing who I am as Fola Laoye. So I'm a, a wife, a mother of two young adults, um, one of four siblings. And of which all of us as siblings grew up in what I'll call very much a medical household. So that Mm. probably is already giving you a clue (laughs) to why I'm doing what I'm doing today. So our parents were both doctors. My father was a surgeon, my mother a physician. But I think what was really interesting about both of them was that they had this passion for training. Mm. So first and foremost, I mean, one of the big things they did uh, very early in their careers was to help to establish LUTH, what we now know as LUTH, Lagos uh, University Teaching Hospital. Hospital. This was in the 60s. They were part of the foundation team that actually opened LUTH. uh, And side by side with obviously giving care in the hospital to, you know, to lots of Nigerians, They were also really part of the custodians, shall I say, of training doctors and nurses, you know, particularly here in Lagos. So side by side with Luth is what we call the College of Medicine, University of Lagos, CMUL. Mm -hmm. I think that's less known, but right there on the Luth campus is the medical school. And Mm -hmm. both of them were obviously, you know, uh, great teachers there. So that was the household in which we grew up, one that was quite academic i would say so it meant that we all had to pull our socks up and study hard and so on but also one where of course um everything to do with medical and healthcare was something that was very familiar to us um you know christmas and any major any, any major event we spent at the hospital we spent visiting patients we spent you know really trying to make sure that we could do our own part to give you know good chair and good energy you know Mm -hmm. um for for healthcare workers which was obviously something that is always still very much needed so that was i guess i would say my not immediate foray of course i went about it in in a different way by by first going off and doing uh finance and maybe i'll just speak a little about why did i do finance even though i saw so much (laughs) uh, healthcare around me um i For me, well, first of all, I was extremely numerate. So I, you know, I really liked maths. Maths Mm -hmm. was my favorite, favorite subject in addition to football. <laughs> so, my choices were either to become a what you call these days a football pundit, <laughs> or to go down the road <laughs> of finance. So I think my dad took one look at me and said, mm, "I'm not sure about this football, football. pundit business. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tackle something else?" And um, my big brother was uh, an accountant, you know, much older than me, and so of course he was very much my mentor. And I thought, okay, let me try and follow his footsteps and see. Whether indeed, uh, you know, finance and accounting would be something that would also, uh, you know, uh, work for me as a career. So I did that, did my accountancy at University of Lagos, here in Lagos again, uh, not far from here. So actually, I'm I'm totally schooled here in Lagos, I have to tell you, because (laughs) I went to Queen's College, I always have to put that in, (laughs) and then University of Lagos. So, you know, did all that schooling here. Um, then went abroad to do my um, uh, what you call the ACA, Accountancy Professional Accounting exams, oh, yeah. which I did in London in UK with what was Coopers uh, and Lybrand now PwC in those days. Mm-hmm. Spent a few years doing that, came back and worked in, still in the financial sector. So this was now the the 90s where there were lots of banks and finance houses. So there was a lot of options there in the finance space. So I joined that for a while, but something kept telling me that I needed to still uh, have a career that had more impact. And I guess that must be really and truly from seeing what my parents had done and growing up around them. And knowing that even as they ran the hospital uh, at Luth and they taught, but, you know, in all ways, they were always touching lives, mm-hmm. you know, of course, in looking after their patients, but particularly in their students and, and and even research, because they were at that time, there was quite an active research base as well at Luth. So it did touch me, you know, growing up that, yes, whilst we could do what we could do with finance and so on, um, Perhaps, you know, we still needed to think about how could we make impact. And for me personally, I felt I could make impact in healthcare, you know, because this was an area that didn't have a lot of, shall I say, financial or management talent in it. Mm -hmm. And it was an area that clearly really did and does need that sort of talent. So I thought, okay, I can roll my sleeves up and contribute here. Of course, it helps that I was always bottle washer receptionist uh, computer operator you know all the while you know Mm, in healthcare whilst my parents were uh, doing what they were doing so i i did get to see healthcare from that sort of more administrative uh point of view view. growing up i should also say that of course my parents had also switched from being in the public system to private by setting up hygiene and Lagoon Hospital. So that's where, as I said, I was rolling up my sleeves already as a kid, you know, doing holiday jobs and so on. So I could see that there was a lot to do um, to really create even the infrastructure and and enterprise to support the patients that were coming in every day, that Mm -hmm. were being looked after. And so I thought, okay, this could be an area that I I really could spend some time and, and
1: deliver some impact wow wow that's very inspiring i must say looking that you schooled here in nigeria here in lagos and you went to london right Mm -hmm. and i can from what i read about you also studied in harvard um, business school Mm -hmm. i'm very curious because Mm -hmm. i've been talking about it right from when i was on campus i want to go to harvard Mm -hmm. i want to go to harvard and i know it it takes a lot to go to harvard i'm kind do you want to share a little more about your journey in harvard and also then transitioning to become the CEO of the sure. Investment.
2: Yeah. No, certainly. It does take a lot to get to Harvard, I have to say. And, you know, I always like to to let people know that I didn't get into Harvard my first time, you know, wow. because I think it's important for people to know that, you know, we all go through... You know, our failures as well. And we, you know, have to, we still have to be even more deterred, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it needs to sort of give us that energy to try and try again. Yeah. So, like you, I also wanted to go to Harvard when I was uni, like, it was just you know, a major dream of mine. And I did, I applied, you know, even before I'd finished at Unilag. <laughs> you can imagine. That's, That's how um, bold I yeah. felt, you know. But of course I was, I don't know, 20 years old, didn't have any experience and so on. And Harvard said, not yet. you know. So I went off and I thought, okay, yes, let me now go and really uh, put some energy into, well, my, my, first of all, my training to become a chartered accountant, which is what I did while I was in the UK. Um, but somehow for me, even apart from the impact, Nigeria was always calling. I never really wanted to jackbar forever. Let right. put it that way. <laughs> I jackpot for a reason because I thought I was there, you know, to yeah. to do my uh my accountancy. So once yeah. I, I was articled and I got my my Pali, as they say, my license, I came back to Nigeria right. and I was working in financial services. And to be honest, the Harvard story only came up again when I then looked around and I said I wanted to pivot. into healthcare. healthcare. So I did make a very deliberate decision at that time to pivot into healthcare. As I said, having seen what my parents were already growing as Hygiene and wanting to support that effort, I felt that, okay, I needed to go and make sure that I could really create what I would call my own entrepreneurial toolbox kind Mm -hmm. of what I guess, you know, those of you who had the opportunity to come to the Faith Entrepreneurial School also come for, right? Come for, yeah. To say, okay, Mm -hmm. I've got the tools that now will allow me to go into the world and feel bold enough to be an entrepreneur. So that was why for me, Harvard, and again, at that time, when I was making the decision, of course, I thought about other business schools, but Harvard was always the first one on my list, and I guess the u.s was also very much of interest to me one i had already had the opportunity to be in the uk and secondly um this was a time also where we were beginning to think about health insurance in nigeria Mm -hmm. what would the structure look like because we knew that one of the key things that we needed to do from the healthcare perspective was to really create a a financials, you know, a, you know, financial cooperation, you know, proper risk management, mm-hmm. uh, and really be able to to sort of change the dynamic from what I'll call the out of pocket market True. into one that was a lot more um, organized, and health insurance appeared to be a key, almost silver bullet, um, especially from the point of view of an active private sector. Because by this time, in the 90s, the private sector in healthcare was beginning to pick up, um, though again in a very fragmented way, without much um, in terms of standards and so on. But we could see that there were some early signs. And so the U.S. was also extremely um, interesting to me at that point because I really wanted to understand the U.S. healthcare market. And understand mm. how health insurance had really grown,
1: grown yeah. uh
2: you know whereas in europe you, you know we had more of the um single-payer type system which was government but yeah. we realized that in africa we were going to have to look at something else so for all those reasons you know uh the us made sense and of course have a business school so put in my application i think i put it in very interestingly the last day literally the last wow. day last round <laughs> But obviously, it was compelling enough for them to, you know, to say, okay, you know, come, come over. So, did my two years there. And to be honest, through my period there, I think I must have done, I would say, two key things. One was to really um, understand, really, how the U.S. health system worked um, and how the U.S. sort of health management worked and what were the key issues to think about as we were trying to build up something back home. So I did a lot of that. The other thing I did, which I always do whenever I can, was to bring Africa to have a business school. Right. <laughs> because, you know, at that time, you know, we were talking globalization, right? This was the dot-com era. We used to have these lectures, they would come and light up the world globally on screens. And Africa was always this dark continent. Wow. So that was the other thing that for me you know, maybe just having had the privilege that I'd had of growing up as I did and knowing what could be. So one of the things that we did at at Harvard was to set up the Africa Business Club, which now runs, till now to this day, runs a a huge Africa business conference and really brings, you know, African (laughs) entrepreneurs to Harvard students uh, and so on. So that was at least the journey of coming to Harvard and coming back from Harvard, Then, you know, I then joined what was the family business, being Hygieia. Uh, At that time, my my parents had built one hospital, Lagoon Hospital, and uh, we were now thinking about how do we expand this and how do we also not just expand the infrastructure, but expand the access to care. Mm. And I think there were three things that we saw that we needed to do to really sort of help the enterprise, you know, of healthcare developed in Nigeria. So access was one, mm-hmm. quality of care and was that. another. Mm-hmm. And then of course the third one being cost. True. Um, now it's a triangle that a lot of, you know, if you, you know, when you sort of read more, it's, it's, it's like a two sided triangle, you know, it should have all three sides, but very often it's difficult to really balance all three. In that access, quality, cost. cost, So sometimes you have to go for access and cost, which may be at the expense of quality. And sometimes you want to bring in quality, but then, you know, one of the others suffers. So really, I think for me, and maybe if I can put the academic hat on that I had been brought up with, it was really still in doing what we were doing, but trying to see how to make all three come together. So with that in mind and joining Uh, Hygieia, we set up Hygieia HMO, which was the side that was then, you know, the managed healthcare, health insurance. Um, Of course, uh, I'll touch on the fact that in setting that up was also working with, you know, the sort of the regulatory environment, but we can Mm -hmm. talk about that a bit more as well. But setting up Hygieia HMO, using that to bring up health insurance, whilst also developing more hospitals and clinics in the Lagoon Mm -hmm. Hospital Network. So that then became very much, uh, you know, the work that, you know, I came back to do. Uh, we also at that point also, uh, looked at what we could do on the more foundation side. So we had worked with the global fund for HIV AIDS so that for that men. way we could bring HIV AIDS care and treatment into health insurance wow. and into a health insurance package. And we did that as well. Um, not just even for what I'll call, uh, the sort of, um, shall I say corporates and so on, but we also got to do that for communities through community insurance. So very exciting time, a lot. You know there was a lot to do a lot was happening and i'm i'm glad to see that a lot of what we did at that time you know has really grown from there
1: wow wow this is is so much work that you've done in this period and i i know talking about insurance i know that there are so many complexities with managing costs and regulation also, the different um, regulatory changes, fee for service at some point, at some point is another thing. And you're just trying to manage it. Sometimes it feels like it's the insurance company that is taking the hit. Sometimes. So, do you want to share some of the challenges that you've, you've faced, right? Setting up, com- coming from the finance background and now coming into the healthcare industry, then setting up an insurance company out of the hospital that your parents are built?
2: Well, I mean, yes, I think at that time there were, as you rightly said, you know, the w- what we had to focus on was the need, mm. you know, we had to focus on the community and the need and how to really create a setup where you could really get more and more people to access care. So I think that was what really, you know, drove us. That was what we were always looking at to say, okay, how can we make this, you know, a more open and more accessible. Good enough, around that time, too, there was a lot going on on the government side. Um, This was, you know, started just before 1999, um, when finally we got the law passed of the National Health Insurance Scheme Act. Uh, Well, it was a decree in those days because it was actually passed under the military. So it was NHIS decree. Um, But anyway, luckily, the um, civilian government came in and took it up and made it an act. Um, But even after that law had been written, it took about five years for it to be executed. And so those of us who were already sort of beginning to work, even without any regulation, we got involved and we started working with government. You know, we had good enough some platforms like the NESG. We're very, very active in in saying, okay, how can we really bring the private sector and government together, together to work together? So we did a lot of work together to say, okay, what should the operating guidelines look like? Mm-hmm. How could we really do this? What would be the right um, shall I say, basket of care? You know, you know, we knew what were the key areas in terms of non-communicable diseases, yeah. but we also knew that, you know, there was more coming up. How do we also make sure that, as, you, as we were discussing earlier, from a diagnostic point of view, we're beginning to see more in terms of the, um, you know, um, shall I say, non-communicable diseases in mm-hmm. addition to the communicable diseases. Mm-hmm. So the hypertension, the diabetes, mm-hmm. and of course emergency care, surgical care when needed was maternal and child care yeah. being the bedrock of everything we were doing so we wanted to try and bring that basket together, together you know uh which was quite a bit and this is again in a scenario where most times government is working on what you call single disease programs so there's a True, malaria, program, the malaria program or there's a you know an hiv program but, polio we, were, and of that, but yeah. we were saying look we want to look after the family i want to look after the entire individual and so health insurance can help us do that because we can bring that basket of services together and we can really you know, think about what would be the, uh, shall I say, first of all, what would be the, the amount of use needed, uh, which is what the actuarial people come and calculate for you from an insurance point of view, you know, uh, and then of course, what would be the cost. So again, it meant bringing technical skills in that were not necessarily medical skills, sure. even, but management skills, yeah. you know, actuarial skills, financial skills. So I, I was able to play a role in that drew, and then we were, we were able to then uh, come up. But yes, it created challenges. It still does because as I said, as you want to create more access, you have to think about cost, you have to think about quality. And in a market like this where we still don't make anything, we import you know almost all the materials yeah. that we use in the sector you know and, and costs are high so it was always trying to to pull that together but at least i think we've seen whilst yes health insurance still has a lot to do you know we went from zero to something like six million people in you know in a matter of two or three years so that was a awesome. lot of work to get going now the market is i think somewhere around 12 15 million but we know we're still very far from yes. where we want to get to in fact at that time uh the president of us at the time had given us the uh objective or the mandate of getting to 30 million people but we're not even there yet yeah
1: mm-hmm. even now <laughs> yeah. right so um i mean that that's very interesting looking at how much work you've put into doing this in the healthcare sector but i'm curious about um it was an investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it suddenly sprung up one day and I was like, it was an investment. And I started saying, it was on Lagoon. Okay. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. um, how did this happen? So, what's the story
2: behind that? Yeah, so, okay. what's the story behind that? So, essentially, I, at least I think I've, you know, discussed how we got Hygieia going mm-hmm. with Lagoon. And what we then did, or uh, one of the things that I then had to do with my finance hat on was always raise capital. Because I'm sure that is something that we know that healthcare, particularly, is a a capital guzzler, isn't it? (laughs) So, uh, raising capital, and we were doing it as an institution. We always did things, even though we started as a family business, we did things from a corporate point of view as an institution, and we always brought in outside investors and so on so as part of that uh we raised quite a bit of international private equity investment um, funding um and so over time the institution got bigger and bigger uh, with more shareholders at the table so i then took a back seat uh we brought in professional managers and I could spend more time with my kids because by right. this time I felt like I'd hardly seen my kids, uh, and they were at an important age. So I then, you know, did less in terms of the day-to-day, uh, whilst I did still try and support the sector in many, in many different ways, including our, uh, quality organization, the society for quality in healthcare, you mm-hmm. know, and so on. And of course I also had my consulting business as Health Markets Africa. And then came COVID. And I think COVID was then a major wake-up call for all of us in the sector. True. And we realized that we were going to have to bring together everything that we could find. And we needed to do what we could to support the government, you know, the private sector and so on because we all didn't know what to expect True. Uh, all we could do was watch what was going on in other parts of the world yeah. and expect that a tsunami was coming towards us so i rolled up my sleeves again and got involved at least in the in the covid um uh, work at the time and we created actually what was then a an isolation center, center. which was done at the landmark and um uh event Event center center. and that was done uh in partnership with an ngo that i belong to called YPO, and we were able to really you know put together uh at least a service we had 80 beds we had you know uh you know staff volunteers we had about 200 volunteer staff we had uh ventilators you know an Mm -hmm. icu everything ready to go um we used it for about five months but luckily after that first wave died down um a couple of things happened one was government themselves were a bit more you know prepared and they had put more resources on the table bigger and funders like kakovid had come up Mm -hmm. so at least we were able to tail down but at least i'm glad that we were almost what i'll call a first responder at the time and we were able to put that service, you know, for the benefit of Nigerians. So whilst doing that, of course, it had got me going again to say we still have a lot of work to do in healthcare. We still have such a huge capacity gap, both in terms of infrastructure, in terms of people, in terms of training. And you know, the tenacious side of me came up again to say can't, can't stop, have to keep going. And so around that time, I'd started talking to some local investors here in Nigeria to say, okay, how can we do this? But as Nigerians for Nigeria, uh, in the past, I had seen the ability of working with international investors, but I wanted us to sort of think more local, Local. and that's how Iwosun was born. And Iwosun, the name itself is a local name, it's a a Yoruba Yoruba word, which Mm -hmm. means uh, to cure, to heal, to look after, you know, in terms of the healthcare sense. So to sort of make sure that we always, you know, identify with our local roots. So we, we came up with it, also, and we came up with the strategy of really investing in, again, what I'll call the provider side in infrastructure, in clinics, in hospitals, in training. And so it was, I guess, I say, a uh, fortune as well that then made it happen that Lagoon Hospital, again, was available to be acquired and mm. so uh you know we went down that road and that's how uh Lagoon changed hands from being Hygieia to being EOSO
1: wow that's that's interesting to know <laughs> uh, at least it personally clears my own doubts about how it happened sure. right yeah so I'm um, looking at the. Um, of technology, right? right. Okay. Technology started coming and some at some point you think that is this the right time for technology in healthcare? I could remember I think the first major technology in healthcare was EMR and how to digitize and all that. Okay. And so many doctors were very we were just looking at, is this something everybody will use. So how would you think that um, technology has transformed how healthcare care is being done here in Nigeria? And how do you also foresee its delivery now and also in the future?
2: I think it's getting there but not fast enough in nigeria and if we're not careful it's going to create us even being further behind in healthcare than than we are Mm -hmm. um our own first foray into technology was to be honest when i came back from the states and i came back from from hbs obviously having seen the healthcare system System there, there having seen uh trying to put together a health insurance system it was clear that we needed, we needed technology. We couldn't do it manually. So we started first, like you said, with EMR. We tried to build our own. You know, we worked with a few local partners. We realized that we couldn't get to scale fast enough. So in the end, we then brought in some skills from India and, and, and started working with an Indian platform. And so, so that meant that Lagoon was one of the early adopters of an okay. a, of an EMR yeah. system. So, been on EMR I think from about two thousand and nine or so. Um, and what it did it achieve? It certainly achieved us being able to scale up. It it yeah. meant that we could definitely see more patients, and we could definitely work better with the insurance companies mm-hmm. uh, because we were able to. Um, you know, sort of integrate better in terms of claims, administration, True. in terms of being able to give uh, good enough information regarding diagnosis and all the information they required. But of course, more than that, we were also, as we also now started to open up other branches, we were able to allow patients to come in from different parts of the system and still integrate with our doctors and, and caregivers. So that was a first important step. But going on, we then realized that really, we had to automate everything we're doing. So we had to automate lab, we had to automate imaging, you know, and so on, and we've been continuing on that journey. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was very important because when COVID happened again, the system, the healthcare system, largely had to go uh, uh, virtual. Yeah. And And so being able to look after patients virtually, being able to access their records, access their images, and so on, became a way of life. And I think that's the way we see technology. Technology is just a way of of life in our business and in in our hospital system. And it has to become more and more like that, you know, across the the healthcare ecosystem. I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, tiptoeing around it one first of all (laughs) all, can we afford it should we really invest in it and secondly how do we use it Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of education that still needs to happen Um, but when you think about where technology is going now with ai and all the benefits that that brings um it's something that we really have to do I, i mean it's early days but at least the sounds we're already hearing from this current government from a healthcare point of view the last one week or so has been all about digitizing, uh, healthcare and digitizing records. And I think certainly, um, it could be a game changer.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And talking about, um, Um, startups Mm -hmm. trying to because they play a very great role in trying to bring technology Mm -hmm. um, to forefront a lot of founders are discouraged Mm -hmm. right i've been in the healthcare industry for five years now and sometimes i'm I'm like oh god am i still going to do this (laughs) but because of the passion i keep at it so i'm looking at the funding landscape Mm -hmm. how can startups and entrepreneurs like get access to funding and investments Mm -hmm. right you see that a lot of investors are fintech oriented and they're like ah that place has got so much money so um what of healthcare Uh, how do you think startups can position Mm -hmm. right how can they navigate the challenges in accessing funding yeah
2: I, I think it's gotten a lot easier I mean when I first came into healthcare Capital was one of the biggest challenges we had truly. And the reason was, was, and still is because healthcare is seen very much as a social good, which it is a public. True. good, And therefore there's sometimes a lot of, um, hesitancy or maybe even discomfort around how do we do this and make money from it? You know, how did we do this and, you know, have to think about a return. But I, I like to liken it to the fact that yes, you know, it is, uh, an impactful sector. But it's a sector that, like in any other, has to be sustainable, and financing therefore becomes a big part of that. And whether that is public or private, sustainability, financial sustainability is key to healthcare. So I think, first of all, you know, startups and those who are invest or who want investments in healthcare need to be able to tell that story, so that they can show what I would call is the double bottom line. There's the bottom line of impact just as much as there's the bottom line of profit. So really being able to show that, I think, is important. And showing that means there must be a level of transparency, perhaps mm. more than in other sectors. True. You know, because, again, we have to overcome that discomfort from an investor's point of view. Um, and then I think with that in mind, too, whether you're healthcare or any other startup, I think I'll always give this advice that for um, any founder any you know anybody who's starting up a business again to realize that you have to in addition to being transparent you also have to be uh, sure that you can bring some governance and shall i say compliance into play from day one you have to be able to show uh, that you know this is what i'm doing this mm-hmm. is how you have to document You have to make sure that your numbers and your books are in order and that you can really show a track record also of delivering. If you can show a track record of delivering, then there is more trust and and so on, and and you can keep going. But like I said, there is lots more capital available. So I think if that system, you know, if those steps are taken, um, there is a lot more capital available now.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, Personally, I'm thanking you because I run a startup, right? So, I mean, and I look forward to exploring, um, I mean, more relationships in the sector. Sure. Yeah, so... So, um,
2: I think it's my turn now. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) To ask the questions. And I think you already led me into the first one, which was what you were saying about, you know, as being a startup. But I want to ask you as well that, what would you say? I mean, you've been now in the sort of STEM sphere for a while right and particularly now in healthcare but what would you say have been your biggest challenges as you think about yourself as a startup in the space
1: Uh, I would say that um when when I initially started Mm. um a challenge was that I was not an healthcare person so I had a lot of reading to do I was coming I studied economics on campus and uh, I knew that I wanted to be a business person but I was so passionate about healthcare because I almost lost my life my university didn't have an EMR at the time mm. and they didn't attend to me, mm. right? So finishing school, I was like, so many hospitals do not have this, how can we create one? And in about a year, I was able to come out. While I was in the stems field, I was building and building. So when it was time, I got into Faith Foundation and I, I learned business. And I'd already read a lot about the healthcare industry, worked with a lot of doctors to build this mission. And that's how my journey started. However, it was not just building the product. It was also now navigating acceptance. Doctors were very skeptical about technology at the time. But of course, I I think that one of the things I did was to build good relationships, try it out if it doesn't work. So it was more about outcomes. Mm. It was more outcome-based than just using technology. And when they saw that it was faster for patients to access care, started introducing so we hardly did so much marketing we just had more hospitals wanting to come on board and all of that so that's how my, my journey really started but another challenge that i i encountered was funding right and knowing that startups are high growth um companies you need to you have numbers to eat and i think that in our second year after two years we had done over 400,000 patients um across about i think 50 plus hospitals uh, but it was it was more about how can we get more for the patients yeah. right and that's how we transitioned into um, being checkered um, today and upon transitioning i saw that people were dying so i could feel the pain of people not having access to diagnostic services and i for one my mom had cancer and it was um, i mean i'm in the healthcare industry and my new doctor could help they were referring me to government hospitals government hospitals were on strike i moved my mom from lagos to Abuja. Right. So that experience in itself made me like build so much passion for it. And I was not deterred by the challenges and that was how I was able to build more collaborations in the space. I think my first partner was with AXA. Mm. So we did an indirect collaboration with AXA Mantage through Tremendoc Mm. because they needed, when we came out, it just felt like they needed the service. At home diagnostics. it's, It's not easy. They're already consulting, you know, post COVID a lot of telemedicine solutions came up, but. You talk to a doctor eventually and this doctor will tell you to walk into a lab where you have to spend some more time, right? So it didn't just make so much sense. And, um, that's where we came in and we're able to make the entire digital health holistic. Okay. Yes. So that's how we navigate. Right. An and maybe
2: the- just again, where you are now and, and having seen that group, what does, ai you know how do, how do you think ai is going to impact you know what you're doing now how are you going to be able to incorporate it yes if yes you want
1: so um, I, I think it comes in the area of predictive medicine yeah right and what we are doing um like earlier when we we're discussing i think i mentioned how we are building an offshoot of our product. um checker is atom diagnostics for a lot of people can afford it for that's 200 million nigerians uh, which so many people are poor right so building another um, program out of checker it's called health check africa where donors and corporates can sponsor um um, health checks Mm. monthly health checks so it's healthcare screening and monitoring for everyone right so we have people already in the location they have all the tools they need they just come together just like the voting system where you want to vote and all so we have locations across communities and the goal is to see that we use ai to analyze data that is gotten trend analysis and it's a use by a case-by-case scenario where we're able to now send people okay once you've had this for maybe high blood pressure and it's not going down right we're able to now say okay do this and but it's ai algorithm that will help us manage the numbers Mm. so and also writing some machine learning models such that even without a doctor's interference we already know that once numbers are this and this and that this is what should be done right so that is a major area um, that, um, technology will play, especially AI and machine learning. And right for us on the business aspect of it, right at checker, we know that, um, patients want to do some checks even without, um, having to even have somebody come to do certain things from, for them. And I was talking to an investor like last week about, um, um, about like solutions, innovating solutions that can help in making it easier for people to get tested even without going to the lab, Mm -hmm. right? So that is one area we are also looking at. We're investing so much in research and we are sure that with time, we're able to build more technologies that can help great yes thank you very much for this very amazing session I mean I think this session was for me and for millions of other people that are going to watch this video so to everyone out there if you're watching this I'm sure you've learned one thing or the other so many things I must say and I want you to keep on doing what you're doing do not relent and keep making impact
0: thank you for listening to this episode of Journeys in Entrepreneurship This interview was recorded on the 15th of September, 2023 at Faith Foundation's office in Lagos, Nigeria. We look forward to hearing about your aha moments in the comment section below and watch out for the next episode.